I don't think the uh, message that we're covering today is going to cover every detail that Scripture touches on it in one sermon, but we're going to hit the surface of it. Understanding forgiveness, but specifically understanding forgiveness from a biblical perspective. There was a young boy in Korea. He was a houseboy for some American soldiers, and they thought it was funny to often play harmless jokes on him or pranks on him. They would tease him, do stuff, they would tie his shoes together, they would lock him out of the house sometimes, and eventually they began to start feeling remorse and realize that their practical jokes were not actually funny to the boy. So they brought him in, they apologized, and they asked him for forgiveness, to which the boy replies, that's okay, I will stop spitting in your soup now. So, <laughs> See, the world has their view of forgiveness and when to do it, but I think our interest should be in what the Bible says regarding it. It's because as believers, it's crucial for us to be seeking our answers from the Bible and gain our understanding using a biblical worldview. This is a topic that is crucial and that we all must understand and practice. I have sat across so many times from the table from couples, from individuals that just don't seem to understand or grasp it. We'll be in other passages as well, but our main text comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31-32. Throughout the message, we'll see what forgiveness is, when to do it, and why we do it. Ephesians chapter 4, is two verses to start. It says, Let all bitterness and wrath, and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our gathering this morning, Lord, and may you be lifted up ultimately, Lord, and may your word be exalted in seeing that we truly have every answer we need that pertains to life and godliness from your word. We thank you for our source, and we thank you for the source of strength, as you always are provider. We love you, and thank you for our house, the, what, what, being in your house to worship today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So first off, I understand the what. What is forgiveness? This is a very popular English word. We see it in Scripture. It's, very, it's a word that we need to understand. To begin, we want to understand that God's forgiveness is the foundation to our forgiveness among each other. It says here, God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. This alone can be a sermon topic, but I want to make sure our foundation is just set. This is a position in the spiritual blessings that you have in Christ as a Christian and a child of God. See, in the beginning of the book of Ephesians, Paul wrote praises of spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. He writes this in chapter 1, verse 7, in whom, that's Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. See, because we have forgiveness of our sins and where we stand, we can, we ought to forgive one another. And not only can we, it is a command to do so. Don't miss forgiveness as a command from God. We're going to look a little bit at what forgiveness is and what it is not. Number one, forgiveness is not a feeling. It is a choice. See, to forgive means to cancel the debt of that which is owed. 
I think those who've had student loan payments, car payments, we all know what that means, to be canceling that debt what is owed. It's to release or dismiss something. See, as believers, before we were believers, we owed a sin debt. Christ paid our price, and therefore we stand forgiven before God when we put our faith and trust in Him. It wasn't based on feelings. It was based on an act of love on God's part. See, our forgiveness to others must go beyond our emotions. See, on that cross before Jesus died, he said these words, tetelestea, a singular word in the Greek language that would be stamped on a receipt to ensure nothing else was owed, paid in full. It translates this way, it is finished. Our sins were finished because of the cross. Number two, it is not. Forgiveness is not about forgetting. There's a popular phrase out there that goes this way. Forgive and forget. Y'all know that one? Forgive and forget. Now this isn't a phrase that's found in Scripture, but I can see where some of it can imply. But it's key to understand what someone means if they're using this phrase, forgive and forget. And it is true that God uses language that seems to imply that God forgot. If you try to go out of that angle, we even sang the song, Remember Your Promises, O God. Look at Isaiah 43. It says this, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sakes, will not remember thy sins. What an amazing truth we have from God. He will not remember our sins. Now, we got to think about this a little bit. In our English language, not remembering is often synonymous with to what? Forgetting. However, how does an all-knowing God literally not remember anything in like an amnesia kind of way? Well, perhaps it's because the usage in the Bible isn't the same as me saying, I don't remember my birthday party at two years old. I forgot what it was like to be a six-month-old baby. See, God's remembering, God's forgetting is not the same in the way we use this word today. See, God forgetting our sin or is choosing to not remember our sin, and he no longer holds it against us is what that means. God no longer brings that past back up to you and says, guess what you did back there? I remember what you did. He no longer uses it against us. We have a clean slate in Christ. He'll always know what happened, but because of the cross, it no longer stands against you. You are a new creation, a new creature. And if someone says forgive and forget to mean, I choose to forgive the offender for the sake of Christ, and I move on with my life, and I no longer hold it against them, then this is a godly course of action. See, because when you're forgiving, you're promising these three things. Number one, I choose to no longer use the offense against you. Number two, I choose to not tell others of the offense. See, gossiping about something is a sign that you have not truly forgiven this act and this person. And if you want to cut out gossip, learn this phrase and practice it. Mind your own business. If you can mind your own business and refuse to listen to the gossip, gossip will die then and there. Number three, I choose to not dwell upon the past offense. See, some may say, well, I can't control my thoughts. Good luck on that one. 
The Bible says in the same chapter of Ephesians to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You can choose not to dwell upon it. Trust me, that's going to be a growing process, but you can choose not to dwell upon the past. And this is where it can get a little tricky. If someone means forgive and forget as in, I will act if the sin never had occurred and just live as if I don't remember it, then you are setting yourself into a dangerous position. You don't erase your mind and set yourself back up for more harm. Yes, we can forgive, but it does not mean we don't use our wisdom and discernment and put ourselves in position to be harmed repeatedly. You can forgive an abuser, but this doesn't put yourself, let's go stay at their place again and set ourselves opportunity to be abused again. You also don't give a thief a key to your house. See, I think y'all get the point. Without repentance and restoration, do not set yourself up for repeating offenses. Many in this world will see forgiveness as some kind of weakness and becoming a doormat, but this ties to our next point. Other forgiveness is not condoning sin or restoring that trust immediately. It doesn't mean what they've done is just now okay, but in spite of what happened, because of what Christ has done in me, I release that offense. I release that hurt. This takes strength. This is no weakness at all. See, I want to share some scripture evidence, because someone's asked me before, we'll prove in the Bible that you can forgive someone and not basically welcome them back into the fold. There's a small book in the Bible that touched perfectly on this position. It comes from the book of 3 John, chapter 1, verse 9 through 10. I recommend adding this to your memory here. 3 John 1, 9, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephus, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, priding against us with malicious words, and not content therewith. Neither doeth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. This character, Diotrephus, we only see two verses about him, but we see a lot on him. I don't think the Apostle John was withholding forgiveness and holding unforgiveness in his heart. But he was not about to allow this individual named Diotrephus to continue in his actions without addressing it. See, in just two verses, we learn this about this guy. One, he loves everything to be about him, the preeminence. Well, who's the one supposed to have preeminence in this church? It's Christ. He refuses to welcome the apostles into the church. Well, the apostles were able to follow by signs and wonders. They were probably doing a lot of things that this guy himself could not do. There was a jealousy. He maliciously spreads gossip about the men of God. He doesn't show any hospitality, we see. And he requires others to follow his example. He removes those who cross him in the church. So again, do you think John is withholding forgiveness from this guy? Or does John forgive the guy, but he is not allowed, about to let what is happening continue? See, forgiveness does not mean condoning the sin and allowing further harm. This is often asked, number two, when do we forgive? Well, how often in that context? See, after Jesus taught on the context of church discipline and restoration, Peter approached Jesus with this question here 
in Matthew 18. So Christ explains to when a brother comes through a fence, take it between you and your brother alone. And if he will not hear you, take then how many more witnesses? Two or three. And if the two or three do not listen, then what do you do? Take it to the church. Most of the times it stops by the time you get to the two, at the two and three. But then Peter asks this. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Well, those decent in math will know right away, 70 times 7 is 490. I would just do 490, 49, put your little zero there. That was my, my way that my teacher would still cross me uh, wrong because I didn't show my work enough. But I was like, well, whatever, I'm still right. So, but, so, but have, so let's think of it. 490. Have you been keeping a record of when someone wrongs you? I wonder if I'm on like number 35 on someone's list. It's like, well, the preacher preached too long this time. Well, Justin, you're halfway there now. Seventy times seven. Jesus wasn't giving Peter just a higher number. He was teaching Peter that forgiveness is meant to be limitless. Seven times, how about you try seventy times seven? See, remember this from Ephesians 4. And Colossians has the same teaching. Let's go to Colossians 3.13. It says, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against thee, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So consider this. So if you're supposed to forgive as Christ has forgiven you, how much has Jesus forgiven you? What if you only had 490 chances? Well, as for me, I am so glad it is not limited to 490 or else I would be doomed. See, forgive as Christ has forgiven you. This should tell you how many times you ought to forgive your brother. Here's another something that also comes up. Is it only when someone asks for it? See, this is something that is taught even from pastors and teachers. This idea that you're only supposed to forgive someone if they ask for it or even if they show repentance or change with it. They base it on this reasoning here. They have their scripture evidence. They say to forgive like God forgives or forgive as God forgives. They've then defended using passages such as these ones. Let's go to Mark eleven twenty six. It says, But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. First John 1, 9, we say it all the time every Sunday. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We see from these passages that these are conditional forgivenesses for God's people that deal with fellowship. See, if we refuse to forgive others, then yes, we are out of fellowship with God. Our fellowship is also interrupted when we refuse to acknowledge our sins before God. So how do we receive this? Well, we, we go to God, right? So they try to argue, forgive like God does, so they have to go to us for forgiveness. So because of this, it leads teachers to think we relate forgiveness towards one another in that same way. However, look back. Do Ephesians 4.32 and Colossians 3.13 teach us to forgive the same way God does, or does it teach us to forgive one another because God has forgiven you? God is in a different position than we are in forgiveness. 
We forgive because Christ has forgiven us. We don't forgive in the same position God forgives. Romans 12, 18 through 19 says this, If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. To add in there, forgiveness also does not eliminate someone's consequences before God and before state. See, when you wrong someone, you should absolutely ask for forgiveness for the sake of reconciliation. See, when someone asks you to forgive them, you should already have forgiven them before they even ask. Yes, let them know vocally, I forgive you. Yes, I forgive you. Of course I forgive you. And guess what? If What if they don't want your forgiveness? Too bad. I'm going to forgive you whether you want me to or not. So it's not dependent upon what they want, and it's not dependent upon being asked. As believers, if we wanted to grow, start learning to forgive someone way before they even ask for it. And consider the practicality of this, that if it's true, yeah, we only forgive if we're, if they ask for it. Why would you do that to yourself, though, to hold unforgiveness towards someone in your heart? What if the person doesn't even realize that they've wronged or offended you? You're just going to remain, well, I'm just waiting for him to admit to wrong that he didn't know did was wrong. I'm not talking to married men there, by the way. Are you going to just remain in that state of unforgiveness? What if that person has passed away? He's dead now. You're just going to remain unforgiven the rest of your life? See, the idea of not forgiving someone unless they ask has way too many holes in it. And it misunderstands the reasons why we forgive. And this leads into our next point. Why should we forgive? Well, first off, we should forgive because we are forgiven. We don't exercise forgiveness because someone deserved it. Did you deserve it when God washed away your sin? Did you deserve it when God's rich in mercy and grace saved you and gave you everlasting life? You ever wish God would just give you what you deserve? Didn't think so. I hear too many times they don't deserve forgiveness. Neither do we. We forgive because we are forgiven. And likewise, forgiving another is not dependent on if someone deserves it. We are commanded and we get to identify with Jesus when we forgive others because he has forgiven us. And I know there has been some serious hurt in this life. It's tough to let it go. I've been told you just don't know what I've been through. You're right, I don't know everything. But with man, it's impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. And consider this as well. Is forgiveness just for the other person? Forgiveness is not just for the other person. It is also just as much, if not more, for you. Paul says this, so we know this truth, because we must not allow bitterness to grow in our hearts. Second Corinthians 2.10, Paul says this here, To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I in the person of Christ, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. 
Paul writes to forgive or else Satan can take advantage of you. And he's done that with many of us here. See, the devil does not want you to forgive your offender because it's his opportunity to take hold in your life. Ephesians 4, 26, 27 also touches on this a little bit. It says, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down in your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. See, when you withhold forgiveness from someone, and this idea, well, they just don't deserve my forgiveness, guess who it invites into your life to take hold? You're letting Satan take advantage and doing exactly what he wants. Ephesians 4, 31-32 again. And I put 31 in on purpose. It says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind once another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So how do you put off these things such as bitterness and wrath? It's through forgiveness. See, in Ephesians, Paul is writing all about how you put off the old man and put on the new. And here's the practicality of it. Put, let all this bitterness, all this anger, all this hurt be put off and forgive one another. Be compassionate, be tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ, God for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Hebrews 12.15 says this, says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and therefore many be defiled. There are many who are just missing out all the wonderful things God has to do in their life because they're refusing to forgive that hurt. They're refusing to let it go. See, forgiveness isn't just about the other party. It's also about you refusing to let bitterness and anger and what happened take root in your heart. See, when you forgive, there's a quote that says, a prisoner is set free. Then you realize in time that prisoner was you. I didn't know how to outline this in the same alliteration, so here are some additional teachings. Forgiveness is necessary when there is an offended party. See, as I grew more in the Lord, forgiveness is something that I actually don't have to practice often anymore. Now, before you all think, what did he just say? Let me explain. There's two sides when it comes to forgiveness. First off, it means there was an offense involved. Something I learned along the way is I don't have to be taking offense to so many of the things out there. See, if you strive to be unoffendable, you're not going to have to constantly exercise the act of forgiveness. See, in reality, as believers, many of the things out there you shouldn't be getting worked up over in the first place. See, some of the things that are happening or some of the things that have been said about you, just brush it off. Don't let it get to your skin. Be unoffendable. If you can master these two things, your walk with the Lord will keep getting sweeter and sweeter. Not just your walk with the Lord. Marriages, friendships, work relationships. One, be quick to forgive. And number two, be unoffendable. There's going to be some real hurt and real offenses in this life. And when they come, be quick to forgive. And as you walk with the Lord, be unoffendable. Don't let everything out there get under your skin. You know who you are in the Lord. Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. 
This one's often asked from me. What about forgiving yourself? What about forgiving yourself? See, this is something that I, even myself, have wrestled with at a time. Yes, forgive others and be ready to, but I just can't seem to forgive myself. See, when they're speaking that way, it's this idea of feeling continuous guilt or regret over what has been done. I don't want to be too insensitive over the topic, but first, the Bible doesn't actually teach us to forgive ourselves. Rather, it teaches us to accept the forgiveness that God has for you. See, my advice for those who seem to struggle with this, with forgiving yourself, is to quit letting the past stop you from being who God wants you to be now. See, instead of carrying that guilt of what you've done, focus and rejoice in God's goodness that that is no longer who you are. This is what God has made me to be now. It's not about forgiving yourself. It's about accepting what God has done in my life and where I am now. You are redeemed. You are forgiven. Your relationship is restored by God. You are His. You can accept what God has done for you. Your sin, all that you want to be guilt over, it's been nailed to the cross already. Was the cross and the blood of Jesus enough? That should be enough for you to not dwell in the past. We need to be moving forward if we're going to walk with the Lord. Colossians 2, 13, 14 says this, And you, being dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened, that means made us alive. He took our dead and broken spirit and made it alive, born again. Having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. This next story comes from the Daily Bread. Someone had asked an elderly Christian lady, does the devil ever ever trouble you about your past sins? She answered, yes. When the acquirer asked, well, when he does, what do you, what do, you do when she do, he does? Oh, I just tell him to go east. Well, what do you do if he comes back? I tell him to go west. I'm probably wrong where my east and west is right now, but you get the idea. So what do you do then? I just keep telling him to go from east to the west. Psalm 103, 12, as far as the east is from the west. Anyone ever been to measure that yet? Limitless. As far from the east to the west, so far he hath removed our transgressions from us. This is where we stand if you are one of God's kids today. You don't have to dwell in the past. You don't have to be remorsed and overwhelmed with remorse or guilt. Who I am in the Lord today is forgiven as far from the east to the west. What a love. Because of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, your sins can be forgiven. His death, burial, and resurrection secured that. And if you would simply understand that gospel message and place your trust in Him, that same forgiveness is available to you. You will be saved. You have everlasting life. We ought to extend that same forgiveness to others, not because they deserved it, but because Christ has forgiven you and you refuse to allow bitterness to grow in your heart. So I ask, but don't answer me out loud. Are there those in your life that you need to once and for all forgive? Just to let go of that hurt, let go of that pain, all that remorse, that guilt. I never said it was going to be easy. It's never meant to be easy, but it's meant to be a choice and a necessity that God gives for you.
choose to do it, not because they deserve it, but because you deserve better as one of God's kids. Because it's what God desires from you and no longer want to stay in that state of bitterness and despair. I don't want you to miss out on God's best for you because you're refusing to forgive and to be out of fellowship with Him. And as believers, we need to be seeking continuously to be forgiven by God as we walk with Him because our fellowship is interrupted when we sin against Him. But 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, homo get on the same page in agreement with God, He is faithful and just to forgive us for our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I've seen lives change from the most unforgivable things at the surface level that God has been able to work through. I don't have this in the message. Uh, Matthew West is one of my favorite contemporary Christian artists. He has a song that he wrote about, I think, maybe 10, 12 years ago. I'm getting old now. Uh, it's called Forgiveness. And whenever, when I heard the song, it was a popular Christian radio. I was like, this is a great song. And I looked into the story, what he based it upon. There was a woman whose daughter was killed in a drunk driving accident. She held that unforgiveness and bitterness in her heart. And then she finally recognized she needed to forgive this man who's done such an unthinkable thing to this family. The daughter is gone because of what this man had done. And in court, she openly proclaimed her forgiveness towards this man. That changed that man's life forever. He managed to get his sentence reduced, and now this man knows God, and now they travel, and they emphasize the, the importance of, driving, of drunk driving. But such a powerful act of forgiveness led to this man's salvation. If someone can forgive an offense like that, what more can I forgive in my life? Don't miss out on God's best by refusing to forgive. You deserve better. Don't let bitterness take root in your heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for our time. We thank you so much for our amazing truth, Lord, that even when it's hard to swallow many times, Lord, but Father, we just need to learn immediately and be quick to do it, to just let go is to say those words and to meet and to have it in our hearts. I forgive, Lord. I would not let the past take hold of me. I would not let the pain, the offense, take root in my heart and carry with me any further because what did you have in me here and today? So if I just pray, Lord, as many of those who might be struggling even with this thing very today, but at first one, I, I first ask Lord and pray that they would first seek the forgiveness that they have in you if they don't have it yet. Because ultimately, we all need forgiveness, Lord. And our first start is our forgiveness for our sin. And Lord, for those who don't, if there's anyone in here who does not understand that gospel message, how that cry, how you sent your son to die on a cross that should have been ours, now he rose again. And because of what he did, I can be forgiven, Lord, and I can have new life. I just pray that you would open their hearts and just continue to draw them closer to yourself, Lord, that they'd be asked those questions and be able to once and for all know for sure where they will spend eternity. We love you. We thank you for this hour. We thank you for our fellowship with one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The invitation is pretty simple. The message was powerful. It's about forgiveness. He asked a question. Are this, is there someone in your life that you have not forgiven? That's a, a crowd this size. That's a pretty obvious answer. You need to deal with it. If you're a Christian, if you have trusted Jesus to save you from your sins, forgiveness is 
an absolute imperative. It's a command. You, you can't, you, you, you will not be allowed by the Lord to go past where you are right now. You're going to have to deal with this. You, if you're a Christian, you, do you understand, you understand what it's like to fail forgiving someone? Some of, some of you ladies were abused when you were little girls or adults. I mean, you've gone through some horrific things. You say, well, how can I, how can I forgive someone like that? You get on your knees and, and I always recommend you do it out loud. You know why? Lord, Lord, here's your heart. Satan does not. You do it out loud so he knows this is over. So he knows it's over. And you, and forgiveness isn't going to that person and your forgiveness is going to the Lord. And Lord, I am letting go of this. I'm turning over to you. I, I'm not going to hold this up. It's not going to be a part of my life anymore. I forgive what he did, what she did, what he said, what she said. People say, well, words, words really can't hurt you. Yeah, they can. They can hurt you and they can keep you a prisoner for the rest of your life if you allow it. To fail to forgive someone, anyone, and and I know that there. If I go through this crowd right now, including me, there's some horrific offenses that have taken place in your life. And you and yeah, I want to be unoff- unoffendable, but sometimes you can't. Sometimes the hurt is too blatant and too deep and too horrific. You can't. Then you have to forgive. Do you, you understand that if you fail to forgive, you're allowing, you're allowing that person who not only did that to you, but you're allowing that person to, to hold you hostage and keep you out of fellowship with your Father in heaven. When, when, Jesus, when God told us, he, Jesus told us, He said, if you do not forgive those who have offended you, and He's not talking to the world, He's talking to you, his children, you and me. If you do not forgive those who have trespassed against you, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. He's not talking about salvation. He's talking about being able to walk in fellowship with God. If you don't forgive those who have offended you or trespassed against you, you don't get to take one more step in fellowship with God until you deal with it. I've had people leave this church over this issue. And as far as I know to this day, they haven't taken one step in fellowship with God because of what God said to take it, because they won't forgive. It is not, a, I love the way you put it, Justin, it is not a feeling. It's a choice. You choose to do it, and it's done. And you don't ever have to go back. There's all kinds of things. Uh, there, I'm sure there may, may be a sequel, a part 2, 10, or 15 to this. It goes a long way in Scripture. But you dare not let one more day go by in your life holding 
whatever it is against that person. You don't get to do that when you've been forgiven by Christ. You just don't get to do that anymore. And the truth of the matter is, you need it more than they do. A lot more. 